Well, we were, during the time period of Lent leading up to Easter and, and Holy Week, we were heading through the book of Judges. And I know not all of you were here for the entire series, but the idea was to use the book of Judges and the, the difficult and the, the messy and the uncomfortable things within the book of Judges as a mirror that we could look at and see what are the difficult circumstances within our world today? What are the places that we find discomfort in? Where are the places that we need the salvation of God to enter into that people would experience His grace and experience His mercy? And what we saw with the Israelites in the book of Judges is that they really wanted to do their their own thing. We could call it a, a me-first attitude. I want to do what I want to do. And what the Israelites ended up doing then was worshiping other gods. The phrase that we heard over and over again was, the people did evil in the sight of the Lord. They continued to just want to only do what they wanted to do, and, and it didn't get better. Over the time period of the judges, the book of Judges, the judges even got worse and worse and worse and worse. We started out with someone who, uh, who uh, was a very obedient to, to the Lord, that the Spirit rested upon him, and, and he did exactly the, what the Lord wanted him to do, and and we ended up with, with Samson, which is a, a well-known but not a great judge. And Garrett took us there two weeks ago. He was supposed to be a Nazarite from birth, not touching dead things or, or drinking any wine. And we read in the pages of Scripture him touching dead things multiple times and him really following his own way the judges begin to have moral and spiritual failures. The saviors of Israel not following God the way they should. And last week, we saw their need for a king. They, they so desired and needed a king to, to set them on the, the right path. And that paralleled and, and dovetailed so well, Garrett, into, into Palm Sunday where Israel is welcoming their king, King Jesus coming in, not on a war horse, but on a, a donkey. Jesus being filled by the Spirit, even, even though Jesus being filled by the Spirit was, was brought to proclaim good news to the Israelites even though it was King Jesus who had submitted himself to the, the will of the Spirit, just like the characteristics of the judges before him, the Israelites, they didn't recognize him. They wanted the guy on the war horse. They wanted the guy like Gideon and Samson before who would go to war for them to, to conquer all of their oppressors and instead Jesus came on this donkey and they didn't see him as king and they didn't see him 
as Savior. As the pages of Scripture say, he was the stone that was rejected. That's what we remembered on Friday. He was the one who gave his life for the salvation of many. But we don't come to to wallow in the sorrow of what was at his death. Instead, we come to remember that there was the silence of the grave and that silence of the grave was broken open by the earthquake and the angels proclaiming that he is not here. He was not remaining in that grave. Instead, it was him who rose from the grave. The angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? For these first century Jews who heard this, they they were looking to the Pharisees and they were looking to people for answers. We've never had someone rise from the dead like that. What are we supposed to think about this? And perhaps the Romans wondered, well, what can we do to just squash this idea of King Jesus coming back? And there would have been a simple answer. Show me the body. All the Romans and the Pharisees would have had to do to to squash all of this idea of Christ's resurrection is to show the body with the hands, uh, nails in the hands and the feet and in the, the side with the sword. All they had to do was produce the body, but they couldn't. And the reason they couldn't is because he was living. And we get to celebrate that today and also look into the future pages of Scripture in Revelation chapter 1 at what this living and risen King Jesus uh, does as he appears to John on the island of Patmos. So if you want to head there with me today, the black Bibles that are in front of you is going to be page 991. It's going to be on the screen. Students, if you brought your Bibles with you, that'll be on page 1,576. So let's start reading at verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as the snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound 
of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This wasn't the first time that Jesus appeared after his death, after his resurrection. That's what I should have actually said. It wasn't the first time because we remember he appeared to Mary right outside the tomb. And then he again appeared to the disciples in the room that they had locked. And because Thomas wasn't there, he, he needed to appear again. And, and then he, he taught them many things still. And, and later on now, years and years later, John is on the island of Patmos. Many say that's because he was in exile. It was time during uh, Domitian was the ruler of Rome. There's many arguments, I guess, whether or not there was large amounts of persecution at the time. Some people believe that was the case, and that's why John would have went to Patmos, and he's there on the Lord's Day, and he receives a message that he must give to the churches. As King Jesus, the Son of Man, appears to John, he says, do not be afraid. Maybe. He fell to speak, but yet he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. These are words that are repeated time after time after time through the pages of Scripture where God calls people at different moments to not be afraid. If we go back to Abram, we looked at this passage, Genesis 15, back in December, if you remember that. Do not be afraid. I am your shield and your very great reward. And then in Judges, just this past series, to Gideon, he says, Peace, do not be afraid. And similarly, at the birth of Christ, or the foretelling of his birth to Mary, the angel says, do not be afraid. These are words that came off the lips of Jesus himself as he was talking to the disciples in, in Luke chapter 12. Jesus told his disciples that they should not be afraid. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And now Jesus, he repeats these familiar words. 
do not be afraid to jump. Do not be afraid of all the persecution that you've been experiencing. Do do not be afraid of those reasons that you've been exiled from your land to this island. Perhaps do not be afraid of being in the presence of the Lord. And I think these words that, that Jesus gives to John of do not be afraid are words that he says to, to you and to me as well. He says to us, do not be afraid of rising inflation. Do not be afraid of gas prices that continue to increase. Do not be afraid of a stock market that's in turmoil that goes up and down. Do not be afraid. Do not be worried or afraid about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble for itself. Sometimes when I come to Scripture, I ask, you could probably say they're stupid questions, um, and questions that aren't in there, but I wonder, isn't Jesus being a little insensitive? Here you have John who's experienced all of this persecution. If Domitian was, was actually as, as evil as some believe him to be, he had a systematic and systemic way of persecuting not only Christians but Jews. And, and here Jesus is saying, hey, don't worry about it. Be not afraid. And it makes me think then these words of do not be afraid. What would that be like if, if I said to some Ukrainian brothers and sisters in Christ, don't be afraid? What if it is that I said to my African-American brothers and sisters in Christ after just the last couple weeks, do not be afraid? That'd be pretty insensitive, wouldn't it? recognizing that I never have and never will go through either really one of those experiences. But, but there's, there's this thing, I, I'm not Jesus, didn't know if you knew that. Jesus himself, though, he's the one that are saying these words. It's not Steve Hall saying, do not be afraid, but it's King Jesus himself that speaks to each person at each moment in their life saying, do not be afraid, and he has very good reason to do that. Because it was Jesus who entered into this world not in some sense of glory, not in his all-powerful nature, but he entered as a child and as someone who was going to experience the injustices of the world. He came and he experienced one of the greatest injustices of the world, which is being killed while being innocent. It was 
Christ who came that experienced this injustice and then said, I'm going to come back for some more. He decided to rise from the grave and come back to the very people who hurt him. To come back to the very situation that causes discomfort and, and causes us to just wonder why. Why would he come back to this place? Why would he come back to this place that causes hurt and causes pain and and reeks of injustice day after day after day? Well, it's because he's the one that can enter into that, isn't he? He's the one that's experienced the injustice, so he can come into places of injustice and say to John, do not be afraid of the persecution that you're experiencing. Do not be afraid. And so he comes to our hurting brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine, and he himself says to them, do not be afraid. He himself says to our African-American brothers and sisters in Christ, do not be afraid. He comes in our lives in those situations where we find discomfort and hurt and trouble, and he says to us, do not be afraid. I've experienced the worst of humanity, and that will not stop me, and that will not stop even you. We can get a sense of why we need not be afraid by Christ in in the clothing that the Son of Man is wearing. He's not wearing a three-piece suit. He doesn't come to John with Bermuda shorts. He comes to John with a robe. And my my friends online, that is not a bathrobe. Okay? He comes with a robe of a king. He comes with a robe of a king and the sash of a priest because when Christ rose from the grave, he became king over all, returning to his throne in heaven, and he became the best priest we could possibly have. Here he is, Israel, your king. He is the one that they waited for, that they desired to have for generation after generation after generation. He came to them on Palm Sunday, and then they rejected him so, so quickly. I pray that it would not be what happens in our hearts when King Jesus comes to us that we would reject him and push him away. I pray that that our response instead would be to draw near to this kingly priest. Because it's only through King Jesus that death loses his power. It's only through King Jesus that death is not an ending of a story, but instead, for Jesus, his death was the beginning of his heavenly reign and his eternal 
reign. It was his death that allowed him to to put on that sash of a priest and function as our mediator between him and God. It's not going to be some mortal man who is our judge and jury. Instead, it is Jesus Christ himself who will be our judge and our jury and our defender. It is Jesus who has taken that gavel in his hand and set it aside because he is not going to find you guilty when you trust in him. We are clothed not with his robe, but instead we are clothed with his righteousness. It's Jesus who becomes our priest we head to Hebrews chapter 16. It, it says why he's our priest. He's our priest not on the basis of regulation to ancestry. Jesus wasn't a Levite. That's what that means. But he is our priest on the basis of an indestructible life. What men tried to kill on the cross was not going to keep Christ from being raised from the dead by the power of the Spirit. Raised indestructible, raised with a heavenly and glorified body that will not change. And that indestructible life paves that new covenant for us where we're clothed with His righteousness where we're we're clothed with the one who lived a perfect life. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see all of those things that we've done in the past, those, those, those thoughts, those those ways that we didn't live in an honorable manner towards God. He doesn't see any of that. He he just sees Christ in his righteousness and says that we have been forgiven and that we are free. And it's because our future is secure in Christ by His righteousness that we receive those words. Those same words He said to Mary, those same words that God said to Abram, those same words that Jesus said to the disciples. He says to To you and me, Jesus says, do not be afraid. They may kill the body. Do not be afraid because our heavenly security is within him. The the words of Scripture wash over us through these words, do not be afraid. From Psalm 46, God is your refuge and strength. God is your ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, you will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains quake with their trembling. Instead, there's a a stream, a, a river that makes glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high God dwells. God is within her and she will never fall. 
God helps her at break of day, even though nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall. It is God who lifts his voice to us, and the earth just melts. It's the God of Jacob who is our fortress through the person of Jesus Christ, King Jesus our Redeemer, our Savior, the one who says to you and me, do not fear. Do not fear. I am the first and I'm the last. Do not fear. I'm, I'm the living one. I was once dead, but look, now I'm alive. I'm alive forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you tell each and every one of us through your scripture to not be afraid. There could be a host, a number of things that would cause even us to worry. And in the face of those difficulties, you bring us security. And you bring us the comfort of your spirit that could only be provided through the resurrection of Christ. For that we are thankful and we are grateful. Empower us each and every day to live out of the security of Christ. That we may live for you in honoring ways, glorifying and praising your name. And not being fearful of what tomorrow brings. Then we pray. Amen.